Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, hello, it's Shira. Welcome to another show. Producer Shelby is here. Hello. We're tag teaming. Let's go there. And happy International Non-Binary People's Day. Woo! Yes, uh, Shelby here is non-binary. Yes. So we are celebrating you today. Thank and you. And everyone else. Just for me. In the community. just for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when did you start... Uh, you know, uh, I guess, acknowledging that you're non-binary? Yeah. um, The idea kind of came about in my head about like a year ago um, and I started working they into my pronouns so the pronouns I use currently are she they and then it was just recently within the past few months I learned what it means to be demi um, and that is the label that comes closest to what I identify with so um, it's still basically non-binary it's just like a more descript word for it so being a demi woman is somewhere between being a woman and being uh, non-binary Okay, cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. What does it mean to you, though, to be in that community? It is so important to give comfort to those who experience the same thing that I do and experience the confusion. And like, for example, I was having some kind of gender crisis when I was trying to buy a bathing suit and just Mm. like looking to my friends who go through the same thing, like having that sense of community and have them understand is so important. So then raising awareness to those who might not identify and let them know how they can be of support is also really important because I feel like a lot of people don't know how to speak on and don't know how to get support so it's a conversation that's definitely worth having yes that's why we're having it here so yeah i really appreciate you sharing all that and being open and vulnerable with your experience uh well so much more coming up on the show as well what could legally be done if marriage equality falls in the supreme court that's in 30 minutes and next hour what elections should lgbtq people be participating in and looking out for we have the lgbtq victory fund joining us to discuss that let's get into some what's trending this hour though right now we had some breaking news right before the show ivanka trump has died of a cardiac arrest in her home on new york city's upper east side at the age of 73 donald trump shared the news of her passing on his truth social account um ivana oh it's ivana sorry ivana is mother to donald jr eric and ivanka so it's ivana trump the mom um and The Trump family did say in a statement, our mother was an incredible woman, a force in business, a world-class athlete, a radiant beauty, and caring mother and friends. So young. So it's really sad. And uh, moving on to some President Biden news. When he arrived in Saudi Arabia yesterday, he greeted the Israeli prime minister with a fist bump that is now going viral on social media. The body language between U.S. presidents and their global counterparts is always watched closely to give insights into their relationships. And now there is speculation about whether or not Biden will shake the hand of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman when they meet on Friday, given that he had a Uh, Salman had approved of the operation that resulted in the killing of a Washington Post journalist in 2018. Now, Biden has emphasized that there are broad U.S. national security interests in making a visit to Saudi Arabia. He wrote last week that his goal is to, quote, reorient but not rupture relations with a country that's been a strategic partner for 80 years. Shelby, what did you think of the fist bump? 
first of all, the video is just so like awkward. awkward. It's yeah. just super awkward. And there's just a lot going on with the fact that he's even there, especially from the queer community, because that is such an anti-queer country. So there's a lot of uh, conversation around Biden and his choice to go. Yeah. And yet you still need to you know, communicate with those people. So mm-hmm. it's like, do you do it more publicly or privately? Oh, yeah. In true. the end, you would have had to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't just ignore a part of country that you have a relationship with. Yeah. Right? And his choice to do a fist bump instead of a handshake, I guess, is there his you nod go. Towards... So like, yeah, if, if, you know, he was hugging the person <laughs> or, yeah, giving like a really yeah. respectful handshake, I feel like a fist bump is kind of like, okay, keeping it at a distance. Yeah, of course. Uh, Republican Representative Jody Heiss of Georgia was speaking during a House Oversight Committee hearing about abortion rights yesterday. He was trying to make a point that refu- uh, that fetuses are humans and that all children born are human beings. While questioning National Women's Law Center President and CEO Fatima Goss-Graves. And here's the odd thing he said in trying to make that point. Is there any instance of a woman giving birth to something that is not a human being, a baby, like, I don't know, a turtle, or as our first lady suggested, a breakfast taco. I mean, is there any instance where other than a human being has been born? Now, Goss Graves ignored the turtle and taco question and responded, well, there are definitely instances where people have stillborn. So yeah, like all, all these conversations are just really ridiculous and uncomfortable to be honest to listen to because they're basically gaslighting everyone and using totally like circumstances circumstances that are totally not based in reality for how uh birthing people approach this at all and not even listening to the people that experience this in terms of finding a solution but let's move out of some what's trending this hour into some entertainment news uh because it seems like uh chloe kardashian is having another baby with the same man that she broke up with, Tristan Thompson, according to TMZ. Multiple sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ the baby will be born through surrogates. We're told the birth is imminent, like within days. Another source says the baby may already have been born in the last day or so, which is wild because uh, the timeline actually indicates that Chloe and Tristan made the decision to have the baby before their recent split. And... You might not know this because you don't follow the Kardashians, but Chloe and Tristan have been together, broke up, got back together, broke up again, all over allegations of cheating. It's just like, it's the never ending story here. And the two already share a child, four-year-old daughter, True, and have successfully co-parented while navigating their own obstacles personally. And uh, they've discussed a lot of that on the recent season of the Kardashians. If you're interested in watching, it's on Hulu. Um, and they also talked about expanding their family, but that was, of course, before Tristan got another woman pregnant late last year mm-hmm. uh, during his birthday. After Chloe made him whole birthday party, goes off. I don't even know how I know all this stuff. Goes off to one of his games and hooks up with a woman. So you are up to date with the story You know, line? here's the thing. I didn't watch the Kardashians when I was on E. Okay. I watched it like when I was on flights. You know, it was one oh, of those yeah. shows. And then I don't usually watch like cable. Um, And so for some reason I started watching the Hulu show and it was like my candy. Like if I was wanting to like (laughs) escape, needed just to like get my brain, you know, to stop thinking. So then watch that. From what I was reading, it sounds like they're not together currently. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not and they're just having a kid anyway. Well, it seems like they made this decision before. It was kind of like no turning back. Yeah. And I guess since um, we found this headline, it was announced that they're having a baby boy. So the gender of the baby is already out, which I guess, yeah, which I guess goes into that speculation that it's possible that the baby was already born. Here's the thing. Uh, They they are very close to TMZ. They definitely, I feel like we're part of maybe strategically doing this. Although you do watch the show and things come out all the time that they don't know about. Mm. But I feel like they would have reached out and said, hey, we heard this. What do you think? That's true. They seem like one of like they probably have paparazzi on speed dial and one of the reporters. They do. And- Although they do show that even in the Tristan, um, the whole revelation that he had this baby mama, mm-hmm. that he was actually trying to he had some legal battles with her, and that he had been working on that secretly, which is also why it was just like so horrible to her, and she found it out through the press. 
That is terrible. It wasn't like, okay, I did this. I'm sorry. It's going to come out anyway. But at least you know she found out because of breaking news. The worst. Anyway, that guy just, yeah, is the worst. Okay, that was uh, some tea, some entertainment news for you. Uh, But next up, you know, last week, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated. So we're going to talk about what this means for Japan. You know, they have very intense gun laws and also how it impacts us here in the U.S. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Almost a week ago, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated while making a campaign speech. And this was the first event of its kind in 90 years. And Japan's gun laws are extremely strict. So as you can imagine, it shook up Japan. It also made waves internationally. And joining us right now is associate professor at Temple University's Japan campus, James D.J. Brown. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So with an event like this, though seemingly isolated, what impact does this have on Japan, either socially or politically? Well, first of all, there's simply the uh, the issue of shock. Uh, Japan is a, is a very peaceful society. Uh, uh, political violence, indeed, uh, gun violence, uh, more broadly, is, is exceptionally rare. So I think for the general population, there's just a, a real sense of, of, of shock that, that this has occurred. And uh, another implication, I think, will be to do with security for political figures. Uh, going on from now, I think the, the police will take... Um, much uh, greater steps to ensure that uh, nothing like this can happen again. So I think political rallies from now on, political speeches will be much more controlled events. Yeah, I was going to say, how does that happen if it is already pretty uh, stringent in terms of gun use and gun laws? How how much more uh, intense can it get? Yes, that's right. So uh, in, in a strange sort of way, this um, this incident does indicate the success of uh, Japan's uh, gun laws because the suspect was not able to get hold of a conventional uh, firearm. Instead, he seems to have built something at home, rather a crude weapon. Unfortunately, it still worked sufficiently well to be successful in the assassination. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, the police are now talking about taking additional steps to, to target handmade guns. But uh, you're right, it's, it's hard to go much further than they, they, they already have done, uh, given that handguns are already completely illegal. Wow. I mean, that's intense and scary, I think, for all of us, this idea that you can just make your own gun. Because, <laughs> you know, despite adding all these reforms or laws, it seems like you obviously can't fully control something like this. But how, how did something like this also impact us stateside? Yes, well, um, uh, Prime Minister Abe, when he was in power, was a was a huge supporter of the alliance with with the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Japan and the U.S. have been uh, close partners since the the end of the Second World War, and, and Abe was very much committed to, to strengthening that. Um, he had remained a very influential politician despite stepping down as Prime Minister in 2020. Uh, but for supporters of the, the U.S.-Japan alliance, there's not too much to be concerned about because although Abe's influence is now sadly gone, uh, the current prime minister and the ruling party are also very strongly committed to relations with the United States. Uh, But we did see, of course, Republicans even respond to what happened, saying, see, look at them. They have gun laws and this still happened. So I think there was it was interesting how that it, it ended up impacting political discourse here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think looking at it from the, the outside, the, the, the U.S. with the, the gun debate really is something a bit difficult for, for people like myself from, uh, from Europe or those in Japan to, uh, to understand. Um, from, from my point of view, um, just because you have one case of a shooting does not mean that the gun laws do not work. As I say, uh, in some ways, you can see that um, they were successful in that this, um, this suspect uh, was not able to get a conventional weapon, was not able to get an assault weapon, and instead had to revert to to building one himself. That's surely better than a situation where he could have just gone down the street and purchased one. And now moving forward, how will this impact political leadership in Japan? Yes, so uh, the country's very much in in a state of of shock, of mourning at the moment. It was uh, Abe's uh, funeral uh, just on uh, on Tuesday. Uh, In terms of the longer term political implications, 
in, in a strange sort of way, it actually uh, frees up the current Prime Minister, Prime Minister Kishida, uh, to an extent. Abe was such a, a huge figure in the country, the country's longest serving Prime Minister ever, that the current Prime Minister had remained somewhat in his, in his shadows. Mm-hmm. And so whilst, of course, the current Prime Minister would never have wanted this to happen, it does actually uh, allow him to emerge from Abe's shadow and to pursue more of his own agenda. Okay, well, thank you so much for all that info and context. Uh, That was James D.J. Brown, Associate Professor at Temple University's Japan campus. Thank you again. Thank you. And next up with Justice Thomas's comments on reconsidering other past rulings after knocking down Roe v. Wade, what could be done to protect marriage rights? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, there is a lot of fear that other currently held decisions could be revisited and overturned, including the right for same-sex couples to marry. Now, legal experts are scrambling to put together a strategy uh, with doubt that Congress could codify these rights. Joining us to discuss this is Kate Sawson, LGBTQ plus reporter at the 19th. Thanks for being here again. Thank you for having me. So you spoke with Lambda Legal asking all these questions about what could be done from a legal standpoint. What answers did they have for you? Is there a clear path at all? Yeah, so this gets pretty complicated. And the answer is, we are not sure. (laughs) Um, And I posed this question, not just to Lambda Legal, but several legal experts and um, overwhelmingly from folks who are in Congress, LGBTQ lawmakers, Lambda Legal and legal experts is that they do not know if Congress would have the authority, let alone the will, we know, um, to shore up marriage rights for LGBTQ couples if Obergefell were overturned. That, that's very frightening, right? Um, because, you know, there are already, as, as you mentioned, 35 states that have marriage bans. How could this be upheld or overturned on a state level? So, um, as you mentioned, yeah, there are 35 states that have marriage bans. And it gets kind of tricky, but basically what legal experts think is that if Obergefell were overturned, probably 35 states would move to ban marriage equality. And that's because there's three states where there's other um, court rulings or the legislature has done something that contradicts one of those bans. But most of those states either have constitutional amendments um, that ban marriage equality or the legislature has moved to ban marriage equality or they have some combination of both in most cases. And so what would happen what would be most likely those states would have to go to the ballot box and all those states, um, people would actually have to vote in order to extend the right to marry to LGBTQ plus couples. Um, and we would see that in state after state. And so um, in these states across the country, we're talking a lot about mostly in the Midwest and the South, um, we would have marriage campaigns trying to convince large portions of the country to pass ballot measures approving of quality. It's just absolutely frightening and disgusting. Uh, I mean, what happens to people that are already married? That's a great question. Um, A lot of legal experts believe that marriages uh, in the past would be upheld. But I think from what we've seen from Roe is that we have a Supreme Court that has thrown out a lot of legal precedent um, in a way that I think legal experts have found really surprising. So uh, that remains a question um, from everyone that I've talked to. There seems to be... um, a tendency to to suggest that folks who are married um, and in some of these states where this could be um, a question mark, and even not, if you plan on traveling, um, it might be wise to secure uh, some protections for yourself and for your family. And yeah, and what does that mean in terms of protections? Um, So if you have kids, uh, second period adoptions uh, might be a good idea, Um, powers of attorney, um, you know, things that allow you to uh, 
access your family in all the ways that a marriage would grant you the right to um, access your children, your family, and your finances um, in medical emergencies um, and inheritance. Um, you know, you probably want a family law attorney um, if that is something that's accessible to you or to touch base with an LGBTQ or about what are some of the things that you want to follow through with um, if that is something that you're worried about. It's like absolutely inhumane what you're talking about um, and unreal, it's, to be honest. It is important to be clear, right, that one, this uh, has not been a decision that the Supreme Court has made. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of people who feel like this is um, a precedent already. It is set um, and that abortion is something that has already been overturned. And that is the issue of the day. So, um, you know, we have not seen this overturned. There is there does seem to be a split on the court about an appetite for doing this. Um, And I have heard a lot of legal experts say that they do not see this being overturned. Um, So, you know, I would caution that we just don't know what's going to happen and that this is not a done deal. But, um, you know, there is um, there is a sense of fear that I got from experts um, on this. Um, and it is worth um, thinking through what are some things that folks want to do if these if these rights um, really matter to your family. Um what are ways that you can do to, to anticipate anything going wrong? All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for your continued reporting about this, you know, whole unfortunate thing. It's like you don't want to think about it, but we need to be talking about it. Right. Um, So thank you again for being here with us for this. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Appreciate you all. Of course. Appreciate you. That was Kate Sauce, an LGBTQ plus reporter at the 19th. Check out the article about the topic at the 19th news.org. All right. Coming up next, we got more what's trending this hour, including could Nick Cannon be getting back together with Mariah Carey? Maybe in his dreams, but we'll tell you more about a recent podcast he was on and what he shared after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, welcome back to the show. It is Shira and producer Shelby on Let's Go There today and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now we've got some more show for you. Who should LGBTQ folks, who should all of us be voting for to guarantee support for their rights? That's in 15 minutes with the Victory Fund, who I just love. They're behind really the top queer elected officials. Uh, They're doing amazing work, so stick around for that. Then, what do other cultures consider to be a person? We have a professor in anthropology joining us to talk about other cultures and their, their idea of personhood. So stick around for that as well. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. VP Kamala Harris appeared tongue-tied during a speech at the White House yesterday as she was discussing federal investments in workforce development. Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. What? I feel like that makes sense. Am I crazy? You got to get to where you're going to go and get to go to what? I, I get the sentiment. I understand what she's trying to say, but just the way it came out, I don't think. Yeah, but I thought it was going to be more like she tripped on her words. And it's like, that is not she that just, bad. For someone who has to talk 24-7, the fact that she could even get ideas out there. In a well, this isn't the way first that makes time sense. Oh. as of recently. Okay. Oh, you have a clip. I want to hear it. I think that, to be very honest with you, I, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. Certain issues are just settled. I mean, we have to believe we've... Re- I mean, it's kind of like she's trying to reiterate a point. So that was her uh, talking on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So, I mean, I have compassion for her because, you know, I'm on the air a lot and sometimes I'm on it and sometimes I'm just not. And if you listen to that, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, she's been called out for these slip-ups. But, you know, Biden does get called out a lot because he has, uh, what is it called? <laughs> As I forget the word. A... Does he have an impediment? Yes. Ah. Yes, yeah, speech impediment. 
I could barely remember the word for. Moving on, uh, today U.S. regulators authorized the Novavax vaccine, making uh, that the nation's fourth vaccine available. Novavax two-regimen shot uses technology used to make vaccines against influenza and shingles, a more traditional tech using protein as opposed to messenger RNA like in other vaccines. Now, even with the addition of a fourth vaccine, it's not expected to have a major impact on the path of the virus. Uh, But Novavax's execs believe their vaccine may prove to be pivotal in managing the virus as a seasonal booster. And finally, new footage was recently leaked from the Uvalde shooting showing a cop checking his phone. He has been identified as Officer Ruben Ruiz, husband of Eva Morales, a teacher at Robb Elementary School who was killed that day. According to reports, Ruiz was told outside the school that his wife had been shot. He tried to get into his wife's classroom in an attempt to save her from the gunman. That is when he was restrained and had his gun taken away from him by the officers. I mean, that is just horrible. Like, I... That is, I mean, that that's a tragedy. That is a nightmare. Imagine knowing. Ugh. And it just emphasizes the fact everyone's been saying they have they weren't doing anything. And when someone tried to do something, he was stopped. So imagine being stopped and your partner is just dying there. And I guess she Ugh. called him too. <gasps> she called him on the phone and said, "I was shot and <sighs> I'm dying." So oh my, he I heard can't. her voice. Ugh, God. I can't. All right. Leave this guy alone. Like, I know we want to see, know what happens. We, doesn't, we, we make a change for, uh, for the future so this doesn't happen again and we respond in a better way. But, like, this guy is grieving. Leave, leave this guy alone. You know, anyway, that's really sad. Let's move on to some lighter fare, please. Nick Cannon is talking about a past lover, a celebrity past lover, ex-wife Mariah Carey. He is admitting that he believes he did have a once-in-a-lifetime love and saying that their love was nothing short of a fairy tale. And who knows, maybe they'll get back together again. Let's play that clip. Mariah Carey. Finn the block, yes or no? Of course. <laughs> you still, are you still on the block? <laughs> no, here you go. Nah, I truly respect it, but that, come on, that's my fantasy love. That's somebody I will always love. Like they, I know that. Like I, they, I will never have a love like I have with Mariah. Yeah. If I had the opportunity to, if it could be the way that it was, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Always be my baby. All right. Well, that's kind of awkward as uh, he has another woman pregnant. He said that on the uh, Hottie Talk Show podcast. Uh, Yeah. Again, awkward all around. You have a bunch of kids, a bunch of women that obviously did like you or love you that are always all you know, not getting your attention, and yet you're still obsessing over Mariah Carey, which I get it. I get it. I would too, honestly. (laughs) I get it. I mean, he has to take care of a lot of people, so uh, I know in that case, that relationship, he was taken care of, (laughs) perhaps. Okay, well, uh, more (laughs) what's trending this hour coming up next hour. But next up, what midterm races are crucial for the LGBTQ community? We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, with the influx of anti-LGBTQ laws coming into place this year and other rights at risk, the midterm elections this November are as important as ever, I think, for all of us, not just the community. But here to tell us more about the key races coming up is Sean Malloy, Vice President of Political Programs at the LGBTQ Victory Fund. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So happy to be here. I mean, I can't believe the midterms are coming up. And yes, you are here to break it all down. Can you go ahead and take us through these senators in the running and what we should be looking out for in these upcoming elections? Well, yeah, uh, you know, this year is, uh, you know, a really important year when it comes to elections, right? When it comes to control of Washington, D.C., you know, we've got a pro-equality majority that's trying to advance, um, you know, LGBTQ rights. Um, and then we've got a ton of legislatures uh, around the country that are always important, but even more important following the uh, you know, Supreme Court ruling in Roe versus Wade. And we've got an, a, an amount of LGBTQ candidates that are running. That is a record. We officially just passed the over 1,000 people that were running in 2020. We now have more people running who are out LGBTQ candidates running in 2022. Um, and they're the folks we need in office to help make sure we continue to advance our rights. 
Definitely. Uh, But meanwhile, these midterm races coming up, obviously the election of senators, so we have a Senate majority, is really important. Um, It seems for them they're not necessarily in the community, but they are allies for the community, some of them. So let's let's get into some of those, including uh, we have some, obviously one from Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and more. Yeah, we as as someone who lives in Pennsylvania, you know, this is definitely one that is hugely important. We've got John Fetterman, who is running to make sure that, uh, you know, Democrats pick up a seat. Uh, So we have someone who will champion LGBTQ equality, who will champion working people. Um, And so I've been following that one really closely. But right next door, Tim Ryan is running a really strong race in a state that is traditionally Republican. Um, And he's consistently been an ally for LGBTQ people. Uh, and then North Carolina, Florida, as you mentioned, Georgia has a Democratic senator. Uh, this is Raphael Warnock. He was elected in the special election in 2020. Um, he's running for a full term. He has been an unabashed champion for civil rights. Um, and, you know, that state is very much a swing state. And so that race is going to help determine control of the U.S. Senate, along with Arizona and Nevada. Just so much going on. The work you're doing right now with everything happening, has it changed or has it just really encouraged and forced you to double down? Yeah, you know, the work we do at uh, Victory Fund is to get out LGBTQ people who believe in the fundamental right of privacy. So our pro-choice candidates elected to office. And so since the Supreme Court uh, case, you know, uh, came down, uh, repealing Roe versus Wade, Our candidates have been doubling down to help make sure that they run the best campaigns to represent the people of their district, because those people are very scared Mm -hmm. that their fundamental rights are under attack. And so, you know, when it comes to getting out the vote, when it comes to getting these candidates out, pro-choice candidates elected, uh, we need to make sure that folks know about them and are voting for them. And they can find out more about them at victoryfund.org. You know what? You wrapped it up perfectly for me because I was about to go. Where can we find it? If we're out of those states, but we want to support other local elections, victoryfund.org. Thank you again. That was Sean Malloy, Vice President of Political Programs at the LGBTQ Victory Fund. Thank you again. Happy we got reconnected. You sounded great. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, how do you decide what is a person and what is not? This professor is suggesting the idea of having a soul is a key signifier. We're talking more about that next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a lot of talk surrounding the idea of personhood now that Roe v. Wade has been turned down. You know, we saw this in a conversation of the woman claiming her fetus was her passenger in the carpool lane or senators claiming that stillborns are people. So... This idea actually changes in other cultures or depending on even your religion. So here to discuss more is Robert Linnea, professor of anthropology at Northwestern University. Thanks for joining us for this really fascinating topic. Thank you for inviting me. So in your article in The Conversation, you say that the idea of personhood is largely connected to Christianity. Can you explain what that connection is and how that changes with other religions? Well, in Christianity, the idea of personhood is intrinsically tied to notions of the soul and salvation. That is, a person is an entity which has a soul that can either be saved or damned. And so the question becomes, um, is this a person? and consequently uh, subject to salvation, or isn't it a person that doesn't matter? And that has real consequences for how beings are, are treated. Definitely. But then it seems like, you know, the approach to that changes depending on who that person is, their background, what they've done when they were alive, right? Because you still have people that believe in capital punishment and everything. Um, And as we see, even that uh, don't necessarily protect or create laws protecting around, you know, gun violence. So, you know, I think that that has been brought up in terms of the hypocrisy here of, of safety or protection of personhood. Well, I I begin the article by questioning whether lo- either life or choice mm. are are the pertinent um, dimensions. People, as you point out, can call themselves pro-life and be for capital punishment or for wars of one kind or another. Uh, people who are call themselves pro-choice can also advocate uh, gun control or mask mandates. Yep. So uh, life or choice aren't really in the abstract the issue. The question is, who or what is a person? Definitely. You also explore in your piece other cultures uh, quickly because we don't. I mean, I could talk about this for an hour podcast, but <laughs> you talk about the uh, Bang culture of Cote d'Ivoire and and um, other cultures in West Africa. What can we learn from those cultures? Well, the Bang conceive of babies as reincarnations of recently dead people. Uh, They come from a world called Rugbe, and uh, when they're born, they haven't fully emerged. So they're not quite persons yet. Uh, For example, if the umbilical cord hasn't fallen off, then they won't have a funeral mm-hmm. because they they never really made it made it out. So uh, not only are fetuses not really persons, but uh, the idea that a baby once it has been born is immediately a person is not. Um, really relevant in um, in Beng culture. It was terribly important in in Christianity, for example. Uh, in in Dante's Divine Comedy, he has to cope with the problem of what happens to babies who die before they can be baptized. Mm. They can't be saved. 
because only people who are baptized to be saved. They can't really be damned because they haven't done anything worthy of damnation. So he, he puts them literally in limbo. So, I mean, there's a lot here uh, to take in. Obviously, depending on your religion, you have different beliefs of, of life and um, what that actually is as it relates to our reality that we're living in here and now. Uh, but, you know, I guess what's the takeaway as it relates to how we're now approaching this very complex topic of reproductive rights? I think, well, part of the issue is, as, as I see it, in a secular state... Of course, not all, not all Americans consider that we should be in a secular state, but most of us do uh, in a secular state. Then, uh, religious principles shouldn't be embedded in the law. There you go. Yeah, I mean that's why they they say uh, church and state, right? Separation, <laughs> and th- there's a reason why. There is, of course, a reason why. All right. Well, a lot to take in there. I think that uh, the Supreme Court needs to maybe work with an external group, including professors like you, perhaps. I don't know. And, and you know, the, the legality and the theology, um, it's, it's really fascinating. That was Robert Linnae, professor of anthropology at Northwestern University uh, with a focus on Africa. Thank you again. Well, thank you. All right, coming up next, we've got more Watch Trending this hour, and Glad is joining us to discuss International Non-Binary People's Day. Stick around. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, welcome back to Let's Go There. I'm Shira, and a shout-out to producer Shelby, who is just owning it here in the studio as well. It is Non-Binary People's Day, International Non-Binary People's Day. It started in 2012, actually, and we have Glad joining us in 15 minutes to talk more about it and what we can all do to celebrate the non-binary community today and every day. And, of course, we also are going to be talking about soft skills, why soft skills can help you get some jobs, including during this crazy economy. That's later this hour. First, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour headlines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has compared standing Florida Supreme Court precedents on abortion rights laws in, um, to laws in communist China and North Korea suggesting that people are forced to undergo abortion and sterilization. Ay-yay-yay. He took um, a shot at trans people also during his appearance. Here's what he had to say. Some of the people in Washington, like, can we actually agree that women get pregnant and not men? Because, <laughs> because they don't seem to say that. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable some of the stuff that you're hearing about that. Um, you know, we passed uh, some of the best pro-life legislation this state's seen in many decades. We, we lost in court um, on the first one, and so we're petitioning to get that up to the Florida Supreme Court. But basically, we've had for many decades now very radical state-level judicial decisions that really makes us closer to China and North Korea you know, when it comes to being very radical uh, with abortion policy. Mm. Uh, All right. Well, DeSantis is also probably referring to the conversation we covered yesterday. It's a clip that went viral between Professor Chiara Bridges and Senator Josh Hawley when Bridges used the term people with the capacity for pregnancy. Hawley, of course, was like, so are you saying that women, you know, can't get pregnant or can get pregnant? And they were... um, Kiara, Professor Kiara was like, well, no, you're being transphobic because you're basically not including trans people in this. And it was just like an incredible exchange and back and forth. I definitely suggest you check that out. Just search uh, Professor and Senator Josh Hawley. (laughs) You'll probably find that. Uh, But moving on to Republican Representative Ken Calvert of California, who spent 30 years opposing LGBTQ rights. He is now trying to win over LGBTQ voters. How about that? The congressman representing California's 42nd district says his views on queer issues have changed. And his recent change in views comes just as his district was redrawn to include Palm Springs, a city, as we know, shout out Palm Springs, all you listeners out there, one of the largest concentrations of LGBTQ voters in America. Opposing him in the race is out gay Democrat Will Rollins. And uh, Rollins, who won the Democratic primary on June 7th, stands a good chance in the November race. But yeah, I guess Ken Calvert's switching his ways, which I'm down for a switch. But what about all those years you were a hater? What are you going to do about that? 
Now, amid soaring rates of poor mental health among LGBTQ plus people, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is planning to launch a pilot program that will link LGBTQ plus people with queer and trans oriented care. Now, the newly announced program will launch sometime after the hotline transitions from its longer 10-digit phone number to three digits, which are 988 on July 16th. So if you need help, if you or someone else is going through something, 988. That's coming up in uh, two days. So it's really easy. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is run by a nonprofit called Vibrant. And although they have uh, not yet announced specific details as to what the LGBTQ plus program will entail, it was compared to a line that exists specifically for veterans. Uh, And actually, CNN had noted that it would be a more specialized crisis line for a community that is considered at higher risk for suicide and self-harm. So that's some good news, even though it's some bad stuff, right? But that was what's trending this hour. Coming up next, we've got GLAAD joining us to celebrate International Non-Binary People's Day. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Today is International Non-Binary People's Day. It's observed each year on July 14th. If you don't know what date it is, I don't know. It's been hard to keep track these days. And it's uh, focused on raising awareness and organizing around the issues faced by non-binary people around the world. And it was first celebrated in 2012. The date was actually chosen for being precisely between International Men's Day and International Women's Day. And joining us to share more is Mary Emily O'Hara, Rapid Response Manager at GLAAD. Thanks for being here. Hi, how are you? You know, a minute. I know. Welcome back. It's always great to have you here and, and to have the, the GLAAD family on our show. Uh, but this is a beautiful day. I mean, how are you celebrating? Uh, I am celebrating by working. <laughs> but, you know, that's a day in the life of a non-binary LGBTQ advocate for you. So that is true. I will be doing a lot of work for the non-binary community, but also for all the rest of our beautiful um, rainbow umbrella community today. Oh, I love that. How do you think uh, the celebration or acknowledgement of this day has changed and the understanding of what being non-binary is since it began in 2012? It's obviously changed a lot. I mean, the the increase in representation and visibility and inclusion for non-binary people has just been exponential over the last decade. Um, you know, we have identity documents at the state level um, that are gender neutral now to be inclusive of people who don't identify as male or female. And then, of course, this year we got the first gender neutral passport option with the X marker on U.S. passports. Um, we see non-binary people specifically included in things like non-discrimination policies and other, um, you know, policy level things. We've got character representation in TV and film. Uh, I think the the inclusion has just increased so much. Definitely. I mean, I think that on the policy level in that way, that has been huge because, you know, to have that option to feel like you're being seen and validated is so key. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few years ago, a lot of people didn't even know what the word meant or maybe yeah, hadn't true. heard it. Um, and, and that's fine, you know, because there's always been non-binary people. And I always like to remind people it's really become kind of an umbrella term. Um, mm-hmm. And under that umbrella are a lot of other terms that many people in the community have used for even longer, such as gender queer, gender fluid, um, agender, bigender. And a lot of non-binary people are also transgender, although uh, about half of the community from surveys that we've seen says that they don't identify as transgender and about half of the community does. So, you know, there's just this really wide, really diverse, vibrant community of people that, um, that are really able to self-define. Definitely. And of course, being glad you're really working to make sure that there's representation in media and that they're doing it properly. Um, what are What is being done in terms of the non-binary community? Oh, God, there's so much. I mean, you know, a few years ago, again, we didn't maybe not everybody had an awareness of the community, but we also didn't even have basic numbers and population data. And just last year, The Williams Institute at UCLA released the first ever population study of the non-binary community and um, told us that there is an estimated 1.2 million non-binary people living in the U.S. So that right there is 
something that tells you how much the visibility and representation needs to increase, right? We've got 1.2 million people, um, but we are definitely seeing um, non-binary characters in TV and film now, whereas a few years ago we didn't, but with increased representation also, you know, it comes increased targeting, unfortunately, like the two do go hand in hand. So as more people, um, especially people who already lean towards the anti-LGBTQ side, as more people find out about what it means to be non-binary and find out that people are non-binary, there is a little bit more targeting, unfortunately. So one of the things that, that GLAD released this week is our social media safety index, which is an annual report mm-hmm. that measures um, LGBTQ users views and experiences of various social media platforms and what and grades those platforms and what they're doing to keep us safe. Um, and unfortunately, this year, all of the major platforms received failing grades. And yeah. part of the reason for that is 66% of LGBTQ users saying that they've experienced not just harassment, but severe harassment. Like we're talking like doxing, death threats, mm-hmm. um, you know, stalking, things like that. And a lot of those people uh, are experiencing that because of their gender identity. So there's a, a really specific, you know, kind of awful targeting of trans and non-binary people online, um, misgendering being very common, things like that. So, you know, it's a little bit of a thing where you're fighting for your rights and then you kind of have to fight against the backlash right after that. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's that sucks. That's all I can say. I but, know. But, um, you know, <laughs> on, on a on a light, not even a lighter note, but like let's let's end it on a positive note in terms of like what those uh, can do allies and otherwise and those in the community who aren't part of uh, or aren't non-binary. What what can we all do to support um, the community on a day like today and every day? Yeah, I mean, well, it's always fun to have an extra holiday, first of all, right? Of Non-binary People's Day, an excuse for a party you didn't know you needed to have. Yes, like my <laughs> but, coffee um, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think inclusive language is yeah. obviously really important. Um, when it comes to making sure that you're supporting non-binary people in your community, asking people's pronouns, using the correct pronouns, um, And really giving some thought to why those pronouns are there. You know, for example, a lot of non-binary people use multiple sets of pronouns. So you've probably got a a they slash she or a he slash they in your life. Um, And just playing with that a little bit, using the the they pronouns in addition to the other ones, um, is just a way of showing someone that you do support them and that you do understand. And I think on a larger level, that inclusive language is important because non-binary people, there are so many of us right now, right? There's 1.2 million in the U.S. And when we're talking about issues, uh, current current events issues like abortion or monkeypox yep. um, virus, you know, we need to constantly be including non-binary people in those conversations because many non-binary people can and do get pregnant, for example. So the conversation around abortion cannot just be limited to one group. And the same with all the other current events and community issues. So I think just really keeping in mind that awareness that this is a population that exists, that non-binary people are valid and are who they say they are and their pronouns, their gender identity is real um, and, and making sure to include the community when you're talking about issues that impact them. Yeah, well, such great stuff and really appreciate it. That was Mary Emily O'Hara, Rapid Response Manager at GLAAD. Thank you again. Great to have you back. Thank you so much. It was good to talk to you again. Yes. Have a great day. You too. Happy Non-Binary People's Day. Yes, you too. Uh, Next up, why soft skills are more in demand than ever before. We'll be right back. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Now, there's a big debate on whether or not soft skills should be included on resumes. But, you know, according to ZipRecruiter, a recent report uh, from the job market outlook for grads, 93 percent of employers say soft skills play a critical role in their decision about who they actually want to hire. And joining us to share more is Gilly Malinsky, lead work reporter at CNBC. Make it. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How's it going? You know, I'm great, and I love this subject matter, soft skills versus hard skills. For those mm-hmm. who don't know what we're talking about, I just want to give a little primer, quick short primer. What is a soft skill? So soft skills are sort of um, anything that sort of show it, – it's it's those things that have that are sort of in, inherently part of you. Yeah. They're, they're sort of like the, the human components of how you interact with people, who you are, how you approach work. Less the technical skills that you would that you would learn like coding and more like communication skills like you know being responsive in email that kind of thing. Yeah, empathy and compassion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and an emotional intelligence EQ is really important. Has this changed yeah. over the years? Do you think that employers are more aware of what this is this day and age? Are we seeing like a renaissance movement? Mm. Yeah, I think you know I will say that in the two plus years that I've been reporting on uh, the workforce that. these have certainly come into the forefront. Um, I think especially in the wake of the pandemic, so many jobs, you know, have gone remote and hybrid. And what employers want to know is that they're going to be hiring people that are easy to work with, you know, even even though they won't be in the same office with them, they won't be in the same space with them, that they'll be communicative and that they'll be self-starters, self-motivated, you know, that, you know, they won't need to be micromanaged and they'll just meet all their deadlines, even if they're at home. That is true. You know, our world is getting more complex and there's, I think, a more... Uh, more of an awareness of what people need. People are speaking out versus, I think, keeping their needs to themselves. Mm-hmm. I guess, can you talk about some of the skills you listed in the piece um, and what you should be sharing with employers on a resume now? Yeah, absolutely. So the eight that uh, were in the piece were communication skills, customer service, scheduling, time management, project management, analytical thinking, ability to work independently and flexibility. There's a lot of overlap there. Obviously, you can group some of these together. Um, And I think, you know, you don't necessarily need to be sharing all of them on your resume, especially because there's so much overlap. But the idea is think about how they come into play within your work experience, right? And so I think, Shira, you're a great example. If you were uh, you know, working on your own resume and you wanted to sort of write the bullets for um, the experience you got out of Let's Go There, one of them could be interviewing people and clear, you know, and, and yes. making sure their stories, uh, you know, came across coherently, you know, doing these like news segments that gave people a tidbit about what's happening in the world. These just naturally show your communication skills. And so, you know, as people are thinking about how they can show their own soft skills uh, in their resume, just think about how they might apply for the job, the work, you know, the work that you actually did within, within your own jobs and just make sure to outline them uh, in these bullets. And also, do you think more and more job uh, jobs out there, like the descriptions or, you know, posts will include these things as well. Cause I know, um, you know, I was helping a company recently with a, a job description that they're going to post and they did say emotional intelligence in it. And I think that, you know, either people get what that is and they're like, what, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what the data shows that more and more employers are including these in job descriptions. And so, that's honestly the best place to start when you're writing your resume, when you're writing your cover letter, is look to see what the employer is looking for, because they're going to tell you directly, this is the kind of person I want. Yeah. And then if that applies, you know, include it. How can you make your soft skills better? Mm, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, there are all sorts of like online resources. Uh, you know, LinkedIn has a lot of uh, courses that you can take online. I think yeah. Udemy has a lot of courses that you can take online for, for let's say, like public speaking. You know, if you want to uh, improve your communication skills, I think that you can also talk to people within your own company. You know, if you're, if you're currently working somewhere, you know, reach out to management. Ask them about, you know, what is important to them, how you can improve your skills, even like while you're on the job. Um, you know, reach out to your network. Uh, of course, you can read articles. CNBC Make It 
we have tons of articles about this kind of thing. So please just Google us and, you know, read some of the information that we've put out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. So, you know, I think it's interesting because everyone's looking for soft skills, but what if your company isn't providing that to you? Yeah. You mean if they're not providing the opportunity to improve your soft skills? Or they're not giving you their soft skills. You know what I oh, mean? <laughs> like they're, they're not, not giving yeah. you flexibility or they're mm. not providing any emotional intelligence or anything. Yeah, like that. that's a really uh, it's a really great question. And I think, um, you know, I think for any for anybody, you know, at any, you know, obviously people come into their work life. It's, you know, from from various points. I mean, you know, yeah, people, everybody has their own experience, you know, in terms of, of why they are in the job that they are. But it, to the extent it's possible, I think it's always good to check in with yourself and see, is this job working for me? If the answer is no, and everybody has things that they like and don't like about their jobs. But if it's no, ask yourself why that is. You know what I mean? Some company cultures are not a good fit for everybody. Um, and this particular economy, you know, we have this particular labor market is like rife with opportunity. So, you know, if you feel like it's not working, it's a good time to maybe start looking around and see what else is out there. All right. I love we're ending on a high note, despite a lot yeah. of the conversations right now with the economy and everything. Un- unemployment, I heard. Didn't you see there was a headline today? Like unemployment um, claims shot up? Oh, I didn't actually see that. Yeah, uh, that was wild. So, I yeah, mean. Yeah, interesting. Who, yeah, who I mean, knows? that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is kind of a wild economy. But I know uh, per the latest drops report, like more jobs were created, I believe, last month than, or, uh, yeah, last month than, uh, you know, than the labor department thought they were, or the economists that were. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot happening in, in the labor market right now, but certainly there's a lot of opportunity. Great. Well, that was Gilly Malinsky, lead work reporter at CNBC's Make It. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And next up, the first trans character in a Disney show is here. More details after this on that in What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, yes, we are back. And by the way, if you're wondering, Ryan is out sick, but uh, that's why it's just me and Shelby here. Uh, So just in case, you know, you didn't know, I forgot to mention it, actually, (laughs) that it was like, why is there no third person? Well, second person. We have three people in the studio. Uh, But yes, we are wishing Ryan all the best and excited to have him back in the studio soon. But until then... It's just me and Shelby. We're holding it down, though. <laughs> we are. Um, and I wanted to say also, happy National Nude Day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know it was National Nude Day? I had no idea, and I will not be celebrating. <laughs> well, you will be celebrating, just, you know, at the, the end shower. of the day on your own. <laughs> right? True. I decided to post something on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of great pictures. What can I say? I posted something. It's actually very, it's it's not very graphic or anything. Shameless plug of Shira's nudes right hey, there. Of, of my butt. It's <laughs> really a very um, tame butt shot. It anyway, is. at Shira Lazar, if you want to follow me. Uh, and if that's hard to, you know, uh, if you don't <laughs> write out, like you can't, you're like, what is that name? Just go to weirdchannelq.com and you'll see Let's Go There, me and my host, You're Ryan. really pushing for people to go look at this photo. You know, it's interesting because I wonder, though, as much as people have been listening, if I said spell my name, if they would be able to spell it. S-H-I-R-A-L-A-C-A-R. Oh, my. No, because they might not. When, I think know, it's Shira, pretty, Shira, it's pretty phonetic, I would say. Shira. Shira. Okay, the show continues now. <laughs> Let's get into so much trending this hour. You know, we had to talk about this latest news. Raven Simone, her new uh, sitcom debuts on Disney Channel, and it is featuring the first transgender character on a Disney show. The 15th episode of the fifth season of Raven's Home premiered July 8th, featuring trans actress Juliana Joel as an influencer named Nikki. Both Joel and Nori Reed, who wrote the episode, shared emotional Instagram posts about the milestone. Uh, they said, I think I may have created the first ever trans character to the Disney Channel. And they talked about how they grew up, you know, a closeted queer child, and they didn't see this type of representation. They never got to see their own experiences and identity reflected back to them on the TV screen. So, and I'm just paraphrasing this, they they said, I, I cannot fully articulate what it means to me personally that now a young queer person in rural America can pop on the Disney Channel and witness a funny, nuanced trans character that they can relate to. And they make such a good point, too, with, like, being... In a rural place, like for me growing up somewhere rural, I wasn't, 
exposed to basically anything queer except for reruns of RuPaul's Drag Race I saw on TV and I wasn't exposed to a queer person until Mm. my mom came out so then after she came out that's when I kind of came into my identity and then even then, I wasn't seeing the representation in media that I was watching until way later in life, until late high school, early college. So it is super duper important that they're getting this on the screens of young kids. And I know Definitely. it's going to be appreciated. Yeah. And the hope is that Republicans don't ruin it all. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's like as quick as it came, yep. it's gone. But let's focus on the positive. Awesome job. This is an early Yaz Queen, I think. Or the I, Yes Queen of the, the Day. Yes queen? It is the Yes Queen of the Day. Where's the sound effect? Yes Queen. There we go. That's Ryan's <laughs> I wasn't voice. prepared for that one. That's, this actually makes sense. It is weird when Ryan presses the Yes Queen because he's in studio, but for days like this, it's really good. I yeah. like that button. But it, it's interesting because other days when he wasn't here, we had people trying to recreate it. No, like, we have the button there yeah, for a reason. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. And that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow wrapping up the week with you right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm so excited because Char Giselle is joining us in the studio, so it's going to be all the shh. We all have SH yeah, names. the shh. It's the weirdest thing, but I love it. That's so funny. It is so funny. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And uh, stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 